all have been seeing the world events and we've been um, wondering, you know, what to do, what can we do? Well, one thing we can do is pray, right? We can pray. And um, just week before last, we sent out an email to everybody, all the members and attenders of New Creation Church that just gave points on how to pray for the Middle East and how to pray for Israel from our friends, uh, Michael and Vanessa Mistretta, who are, they live in Jerusalem. They have a ministry called Fellowship of Israel-related ministries. Their ministry connects a bunch of ministries, and so they um, do a lot of work there. They live there in Israel, and so um, we are in contact with them and were from the very beginning, and he told us the different things that they were doing, how they were providing um, help for people, uh, providing spiritual help, natural help, moving people, providing places for them to go, helping to coordinate homes and movement of people, even out of Gaza and uh, up north, and trying to really help people a lot. And so um, it's an overwhelming task. And one thing that they asked us to do was to continue to pray. And so we do that. And you can follow those prayer points that came out in the email. But another uh, way that we can pray... Uh, Michael sent us this last, uh, just, just I think, on Monday. Um, so uh, Pray for Israel by Name, it's called. It's a campaign that they have put together. They have taken all the names of those people that are known as hostages right now, um, and they have put all of their names on a list. And what they're asking us to do is write that name on your hand. You know, God has uh, said to us in Isaiah um, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands, he said to his people, and about his people. You know, our names are on the palm of his hands, and how wonderful is that? He also said, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Why would we do that? That you may be justified. So when we pray, there's something about prayer, right, that it... it makes an avenue for God to be able to move because when we pray, it opens doors. Intercession is standing in the place of someone who isn't praying or doesn't know to pray. So we pray and God says, put me in remembrance. Well, what we're putting him in remembrance of is that all of these are written on the palm of your hand, Lord. All of these are known by you. All of these are loved by you. And we plead on their behalf and we pray for freedom and we pray for help. We pray for timely assistance that's needed for them. We pray all of those things. And so we're praying and um, you can pray this way. It's on our app. If you go to our app, you'll see a tab um, that says uh, pray for Israel by name. And if you tap that, you'll see all of those names that Michael gave us and how we can begin to pray. Um, when you see that, uh, and, and you see a name on your hand, you know, you look down at your hands multiple times a day. It's just reminding us to pray multiple times a day. And what are we praying for? Well, we're, we're praying for the people, but we're also praying for the whole Middle East. God wants every person to know him. He wants every person to come to the saving knowledge of him. And God, you know, we have invested so much through Messenger International in the Middle East. We've uh, purchased curriculums and sent Bibles in Farsi. We've done so many different things all throughout uh, Turkey and Iran, Iraq, 
uh, Israel, we've done m multiple different projects where the word has gone forth, and we just claim that seed in Jesus' name, that it will not be planted in vain, but that it will produce a rich harvest in throughout the Middle East, right? So we pray for the peace of Israel. We pray for the salvation of everyone who's throughout the Middle East. So this is just another way that we can pray, and there's a lot, a lot of ministries that are doing wonderful things uh, throughout uh, this whole crisis, but Firm Israel, uh, which is Fellowship of uh, Israel-related ministries, is definitely one that we have relationship and that we're connected with. So we'll probably um, be sharing more as time goes on of how we can be involved in them. But you can definitely go to their website, which is firmisrael.org as well. You can find all of this. You can find prayer points. You can find uh, different ways to participate there as well. All right. Well, that's the announcement that I had. Pastor Mark is going to come. on I thought they were turning it on praise God how y'all doing praise the Lord it's a great night to be alive great night to be in church great night to be with you all thank you for your enthusiasm praise the Lord it's a great night to be alive man it's good to be alive it's good to be serving God man it's good to be in the midst of revival it's good to be in the midst of revival I'm telling you, God's working uh, uh, many, many different things. And so, you know, the enemy's at work, right? So we look at things, we, we talk about, you know, praying for people in the Middle East, great tragedy that's going on there. But I guarantee you, God's going to show himself strong. We have that. And uh, as we'll look in a little bit, you know what, uh, you know, Paul told, uh, Timothy, Peter told us, he said, don't think it's such a big deal when fiery trials come. Yet we get so comfortable that a fire trial comes, we go into panic mode, like, my God, what's happening? I'm, if I'm serving God, nothing bad's supposed to happen. Listen, the enemy, there's an enemy out there, an enemy of your soul. And so what we do is we mount up. We know that we are equipped by God uh, to do amazing things in the last days. Right? God didn't say, it will be most comfortable for every believer in the last days. No, he said things will get uncomfortable in the last days. But I'm preparing a church that is tougher than nails. Tougher than circumstances that come their way. Tough enough to forget the past. Have a short memory about mistakes. And a quick memory to remember what God has done for us. So that we can withstand he said, when you've done all to stand, when you've done all to withstand the attack of the enemy, continue to stand. Amen. Not a time to roll over and play dead. It's a time to stand. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. And so it's a great time. We should be rejoicing. We should keep in the forefront of our thinking. As we said this morning, the covenant of God. We should be acknowledging, right, not how much somebody irritates me. Not what the bad news of the day is, right? We're not sticking our head in the sand. 
But the enemy would try to get us to acknowledge every bad thing that's going on in our life and everything that bad thing that's going on in the world and begin to talk about all of those people and those things and forget what the Lord has done. Why? Because it will diminish the effectiveness of the communication of our faith. But he said the communication, Philemon, verse 6, the effective communication of your faith comes in acknowledging every good thing. Somebody say every good thing. Every good thing that is in us in Christ. So even the temptation before you leave tonight will be to talk to somebody about something bad that somebody's done or something bad that's not going right. But it would be better to acknowledge every good thing that is in us in Christ. So that when we have to look at a situation that's not right, we approach it from the perspective of the power that we have because of the good that God has done in our life. Right? The enemy's just trying to weaken our faith. But no matter what the situation or the circumstance, Abraham would not allow himself to grow weak in faith, but strengthen himself by giving glory to God and acknowledging that what God promised, he was well able to perform. And that's good news. That's good news. Every time you wake up, every time you take a breath, it's a good news that Jesus died. He saved your life from destruction, that you know him. You're in covenant with him. You have a relationship with the almighty God. You have a relationship with the almighty God. You can open your mouth and begin to talk to him. You can open up your heart and begin to be affected by the very life of God that is on the inside of you. Man, there's power, what we just did, in praise. There's such power in praise. Such power in praise. Such power in praise. Waking up and beginning to sing praises to the name of Jesus. Thank God for everything that he's done. Man, I'll tell you what, you get God, you get angels active in your situation when you begin to praise God, when you begin to rejoice by faith, right? Well, I don't feel like rejoicing. But my faith isn't about what I feel like. My faith is about what I know in my spirit. And so I can rejoice at what God has done for me, even though the enemy is trying to do something to me. He's too late. God in Christ has already done something for me that's bigger and stronger than what the enemy is trying to do to me. Come on. Praise the Lord. That's all free. Praise the Lord. If you weren't here this morning, we're glad that you're here. If you weren't here this morning, weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, I want to give you an opportunity to give. If you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you can buy cash or debit or credit card, raise your hand. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, if you're giving by text, the number's up there. Uh, if you're giving online, you can go to the website, push the give button. We appreciate so much uh, your generosity. Your giving uh, keeps things going. And um, praise the Lord. Uh, keeps ministry going forth, uh, testimonies. Uh, again, we, just this morning after service, we got a report of, of someone's body. Really, the, the whole process of a sickness moving forward in their body has now stopped, and we're believing it's going to turn in remission. The particular sickness that they have when it turns in remission will be miraculous. Amen. And uh, God's called us to miracles. 
You might not know it yet, but God's called us to miracles. He's called us to miracles. Amen. And uh, so he's, he's working to position us in such a way that we are carrying, we are carrying with us in the life of God someone's miracle. And that's good news. Carrying someone's miracle. That doesn't, you know, light your fire, then your wood's wet. Doesn't float your boat, you got a hole in your hull. Come on. We shouldn't be sinking. We should be really moving forward. Carry somebody's miracle. Amen? And so, uh, you know, uh, testimony, just somebody who, who came. They've just been here for a couple of weeks, came to the ladies' conference things going on. They're recovering uh, from addiction and uh, uh, had, you know, just foul language out of their mouth. They said every other word, foul language. Came to the ladies' conference, got blessed, got filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues. Practice, just continue to pray and speak with other tongues. Said, you know what? I don't cuss anymore. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah. Go figure. Started praying in tongues. God washed their mouth out. With the Holy Ghost. See, he said that. Right? The psalmist said that. He said, and you fill my mouth with good things. You fill my mouth with good things. Praise the Lord. So we get to affect the nations of the world. We get to affect uh, uh, prisoners in jail here in our, our community. Things going on here. Uh, those who are recovering, celebrate recovery. number of things going on. Minister to youth, the children. Uh, we couldn't do it without you, without your giving. And so we're thankful. We pray for you uh, every day that the blessings of the Word of God come upon you and overtake you, just as the Word of God says. So we appreciate that. Appreciate your giving. Amen. We ready? Everybody ready? Father, we just thank you every opportunity that we have uh, to give. God, we thank you for the covenant that we have with you. Help us to always recognize that you filled us up so much. You've given us life to the overflow in all of its facets, in all of its operation, in all of its ways, such a, an abundant life that we overflow with life in every area so that we can be generous, not just financially, but generous with our life, not holding back, but knowing that the abundance of life that we possess comes from you. And so we thank you for the acknowledgement, the opportunity that we always have to acknowledge you and the covenant that we have with you through giving in any way. We thank you for that. We declare the blessing of the word of God upon each and every one as they give tonight. We thank you that you supply every need according to your riches and glory by Jesus Christ. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can pass the buckets. Open your Bibles with me to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And uh, I want to uh, thank, um, praise the Lord. There we go. I want to thank uh, everyone last week who ministered last week. Really, our whole staff, uh, Jonathan, uh, preached on Sunday morning. Uh, Zane did the offering. John P did the announcements. Pastor Sean ministered in the evening, and so we have a great staff, don't we? I want y'all give them a hand. 
And uh, we're so thankful for that. In the, the last month or so, every, uh, on Sunday night, the staff has been bringing the Word of God to you, and, and I appreciate them so much and uh, what they're doing. And uh, praise the Lord. So we're just thankful. And so I want to uh, uh, spend a little bit of time next uh, couple of Sunday nights talking about something. Uh, somebody will probably help me rename this message, but I just, uh, as I was praying about it, came up with this uh, thinking because of what's just rolling around in my heart. Uh, we'll just call it getting ready for revival. Getting ready for revival. Amen. And so, uh, uh, you know, we want revival. And even, you know, uh, uh, you know I'll, I'll meander around just for a little bit, you know, you know but we showed Jesus revolution a little while, and I'm, I'm a little different than, than some other people, you know, when we were watching, and I listened to people talk after we watched the movie, man, that was awesome, that, that was just not even like church. It was everything like church. It's totally everything like church. Did they not come into the building? Did they not open their Bibles? Did somebody not preach? Did they not have music and worship? Huh. What was different? They welcomed people who hadn't been welcomed before. But it caught them by surprise because they were used to just sitting in the chair, being comfortable, listening in the way that they wanted to listen, and they just thought about the carpet, and they thought about the chairs, and they thought about their comfort and their tradition more than when somebody came in with dirty bare feet. They were like, oh, my God. So they weren't ready traditional church wasn't ready for the revival that took place. But actually, the people who got saved were ready. They wanted to come in. They wanted to hear the word of God. They wanted to express themselves, raise their hand, applaud what God was doing in their life. And had the people been ready to accept them, and it exploded anyway because God can do that, but had they been ready, the integration of those being saved and those who had been saved would have been a powerful reflection of the ministry and the service that God wanted the church to enter into in a time of revival. And so God doesn't want us to miss out on revival. God wants us to be the catalyst and participate in revival. He wants us to set the atmosphere for revival. If we're going to set the atmosphere for revival, we can't be overwhelmed with the thought process, oh my God, life is so busy. Because the moment God says, I want to bring revival, you'll start to back off and say, wait a minute, my schedule won't permit another thing. Which only means you're setting your schedule, God's not. Or you've become weary in well-doing. You've wore yourself out, not relying upon the grace that God's put in your life. So things aren't going to slow down. Things aren't going to slow down. So you might as well just go, okay, God, if they're going to speed up, if we're going to get ready to receive and participate in revival, then I need to get prepared. I need to change my thinking. I need to start learning how to fellowship and rely upon the grace that you put into my life. I need to learn how to fellowship with you. I need to know how to come 
to you. I mean, I just try to imagine. We don't even have the fullness of the books, right? John said, if I wrote to you everything in the books, the, the libraries of the world could not contain if we wrote down the things that Jesus did in three and a half years. Hmm, I wonder if he was busy. But we never really see him saying, wow, life's so busy, God. We just don't see that chapter and verse there somewhere. We know that Jesus knew how to manage his life. He knew how to get away and spend time with the Father so that he was ready to engage in the ministry to others so that he could do it. And he said, the wonderful thing about it is I'm fully equipped with the fullness of the Godhead right here in this body. So he had some, some amazing grace that in like manner we have that amazing grace, but he had the fullness of that amazing grace in one body. But he said, listen, I want to distribute this grace when I leave to my body. Because where I am at one place and in one time and in one region of the world, I plan on reaching the whole world with my body. So I'm going to distribute this grace throughout my body. But when, we, when he says, you, you listen, when life becomes too hard, then you come to me. Most people, when life becomes too hard, they run away from him. They come up with all the reasons why I, I, I really can't. But he said, I want you to come to me, not because I want to tell you how hard I'm going to make life for you, but I know who's making life hard for you. I want you to come to me. And then we got this part, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. But he said, come to me and learn from me. Learn how, by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, I have done in three and a half years what books can't contain and not grown weary in doing it. There's a supernatural grace that he wants to bring upon the church. There's something, as, as Pastor Mark Brzee said, there's something of the spirit within us that strengthens us. There's something that empowers us to reach farther than ourselves by the spirit upon us. But there's something supernatural that will happen when the Spirit comes amongst us that we haven't yet seen, we've only heard of, in a time and a move of God in times past. But if we're burdened down with life, the atmosphere for the Spirit amongst us will never be what it should be. And there will be some who take that up to say, I'm going to come expecting God to do something and to move in my life and to speak something that will change my life, that one word from God that will change my thinking and change my life forever to come about. I'm coming ready to set the atmosphere in praise and worship. I'm ready to set everything outside the door and come in and commune and fellowship with God, to set my focus 100% on Him, forget the watch, forget the time, and look unto Him and watch the atmosphere be set. And something will happen in that, and then people will come. But it's going to take a few that say, listen, I'm going to set the atmosphere. I'm going to come in, and I'm going to be looking. I'm going to be listening to what the Spirit of God is saying. I'm going to put a draw on the gift that God put in my life to equip me. And when I put that draw, the Spirit of God's going to begin to act and come amongst us in a way that miracles are going to happen. Things are going to change. Signs are going to happen, and then people are going to come in. Yeah, come on. You say, where were you before? Well, we heard something's happening. 
But if we're always waiting for something to happen, it'll never happen. The church is the catalyst of what happens. Our expectancy upon God, our equipping ourselves and equipping the church for what's about to come so that we can minister and serve one another. Right? There'll be outreach from there, but the the beginning of the swelling of that is the growth of the body becomes so big that it can't be contained. It starts to move out into the community. And it starts an active, living, breathing, moving thing that's going on. It's not religious, and it's not like I have to do this because I want to be able to stand before God and say, I made it at least three out of four Sundays. I did it because there's a life-giving source. There's something that the Spirit of God is doing through His church, of which I am a member throughout. Praise the Lord. So Ephesians chapter 4. Just a little bit of where we're going. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to, tonight we're probably going to have a lot of reading of Scripture. We, we, we want to start breaking some things down, but uh, we'll have a couple Sundays to do that. He said, first of all, verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Worthy of the calling of which you were called. So you might highlight that and underline that. Called of God. Called of God. Now I'm going to go backwards a little bit, you know, and... and I've been thinking about this, had a little bit of time to pray and to think about, while I was gone last week, some things. And you know, some things, you know, we we get moving forward and certainly we want to minister to generations and generationally how we have. But you know, terminology and everything changes, but there's something very important about some things that we know or we've learned in the past. And one of those is being called of God. Being called of God. You don't hear that a lot as much anymore. We used to hear that all the time. You're called of God. There used to be a song out, for the sake of the call. In other words, you looked and said, you know what? I'll do anything for the sake of the call. Paul said, I'm pressing towards the mark of the high calling. So God's calling us out, right? He called us out of darkness. He called us out of the ignorance and deception that the world brings to confuse us about life. And he called us out of the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his dear son. He's called us out of darkness into his glorious light. He's called us up and out to where there's a view, a revelation of what God is doing in our life. You have a heavenly calling. God's calling from heaven to come up and to come out and to be separate. Paul said, listen, there's a calling on the church, and I'm writing to you. I'm in prison right now, but I'm writing to you about those who are called and what your calling is, and to understand that God is calling. Come on, the phone's ringing. It's not a robocall. <laughs> I don't recognize the number. Well, you need to understand the number, like God's calling. Come on, so that you walk worthy, really just understanding that word. He says, I want you to understand and be able to walk in the full value, the full value, to walk worthy, the full value of the calling with which you were called. Wow, I want you to get everything out of this calling to which you were called. 
man, if we only knew what was in the calling. What was in the calling? Where I was looking, are we going to see signs and wonders and miracles? There's signs, wonders, and miracles in the call. We're looking for it somewhere. It's in the call. Answer the call. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. So he's saying, listen, in order to be the body that we're supposed to be, it ain't going to be easy. Do you know how many times he writes to these local churches and says, you are going to have to have long-suffering, forgiveness, and bear with one another. Why? Because if we can learn to do that, you'll rise to a higher place in the call. This right here is training ground. Training ground. We're going to look at that. It's training ground. Most people drop out just in church. There's something calling them to participate, to be faithful, to step in and start developing something that is more powerful, something that will go beyond themselves, go beyond the church, and reach out into past their family, into community, and it's in them, but they don't get there. They'd love to get there. They'd love to try, but they don't get there because it drops out in church. The moment my feelings are hurt in church, I'm out. But this is where your feelings get hurt. <laughs> Come on, I'm, didn't I say we're getting ready for revival? My job, I'm going to show you, my job is to equip you or to prepare you. So many people come in and go, I'm in church, and this is going to be really, this is going to be my safest place. It is. It's a safe place to get hurt and healed. Because not all the time, but the majority of the time, your feelings getting hurt isn't really the intention of somebody that hurts you. It's a weakness that the enemy used to allow you to be hurt. And God wants to cause us to mature and to be stronger than we were before we came into the church. Because as you step into your calling, if you cannot take rejection or an insult, you are in trouble. A lot of people aspire, and there's warnings, we'll look at this, aspire to ministry. But yet they get their feelings hurt at somebody looking at them bad. If you got my mail, you would have quit a long time ago. Come on. There's more people quitting ministry in our generation than starting. There's more people quitting than starting. See, we look and think, wow, this, is, this would be great. And it is great. It's the greatest thing to know that you are called of God, that you're equipped by the Holy Spirit. But you can't do this in your flesh. You can't do it on your own. You'll get pummeled. Paul knew that. Man, Paul had some stuff going on. I mean, we think of the great Apostle Paul, two-thirds of the New Testament. He had miracles. He raised somebody from the dead that fell out a window while he was preaching. 
What a great revival. He starts, we, 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 we look at our clock, when are we going to get out? Paul just kept preaching. A guy was sitting in a window. He fell asleep, fell out of the window, and got killed falling out of the window. If somebody fell out of the window in church and died, we would call the ambulances. It would just be tragic. The church would close. It would be empty. Paul just went down, raised him from the dead, went back up, and finished preaching. So again, granted, if you're going to preach that long, somebody fall out the window, you better know you can raise them from the dead. But we look at that and go, wow. But Paul said, listen, he, he told the Corinthian church, he said, listen, you've got a bunch of fancy ministers who got millions of followers on Instagram and on Facebook and all that. They have flowery speech. They have all these credentials. And you have left me behind for them. And he said, listen, I just want to tell you something. You think they're an apostle? What about me? He said, I've been beaten for preaching this gospel five times with 39 stripes. He said, I've, I've taken stripes on my back. He said, I've been stoned and left for dead. I've been in the deep day and night, shipwrecked. He said, I've given it all up for you, and you'll leave me in a second for somebody with flowery speech that has a lot of Instagram followers. Come on, come on. So life hasn't changed that much. Paul had the same thing. As he's giving his life for the church to build the church, people would come in on the side of that and grab for their own benefit the church. And Paul was trying to stabilize them and equip them for what was before them. Not just tickle their ears and make them feel good about life as it was, but equip them to be ministers to those who needed to know him and to serve the body in a way that the body would grow. All right, we'll never get through this. I was really going to read through this part really quick. <clears throat> Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as we were called in one hope of our calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and he's in you all. Praise the Lord. Verse 7. But to each one of us, say I'm in each one. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now you can put according to the measure of Christ's gift. I believe there's something in this that we need to find out and understand. Paul said it, that God has given to each one a measure of faith. We're going to go to Romans in just a moment. That when we read the parable of the sower, or the parable of the talents, which we'll do, that the master gave each one according to their own ability at the time. And each one had an opportunity to develop and increase what they were given which moved them into a higher place. So the beginning of preparation and getting ready for a revival, not only in your own life, but a revival that will take place in the church is to understand that there is a measure of a grace or graces within your life. Right now there's a measure. What you do with that measure. See, some people want to go to the full measure. Some people want to say, I'm a prophet. I'm a pastor. I'm a leader. But you know what they say about a leader. A leader with nobody following is just on a walk. 
It's just on a walk. So you might know God's called me to be a leader. But if you haven't developed leadership and nobody's following you, then you haven't yet. You might have that grace in a measure. But if you don't use the measure that he's given you at the time, right? So lots of times, I'm a leader. I'm a a pastor. I'm a prophet. And we're waiting for the big crowd, but we're not leading. We're not developing right where we're at. We're not helping with the youth or with the children or with some area that we can begin to develop. We're not saying, listen, I'll sign up for a small group. Show hospitality. There's these graces that we're going to look at that they begin in a measure, and what we do with the measure begins to develop this gift to come to fruition so we actually see what that gift will do. Because that gift, fully developed and unwrapped, is phenomenal. You are phenomenal. If you only knew what was on the inside of you, you would go, wow. I'm really willing to take some time now to develop this because if the fullness of what's on the inside of me could ever be revealed, wow, some people's lives would be changed. I know some family members that I'm taking this to. I know some people at work that I'm taking this to because I've just realized what's on the inside of me is so extraordinary, so powerful. It's the anointing of God that will break every yoke of bondage that I have no apprehension of walking up to somebody at work and talking to them and laying my hands on them, knowing that the power of God is flowing through them. And I may or may not have a hukamashundai. But most likely at work you won't. But the testimonies that we've heard about some of you all, I was just talking to them, asked if I could pray. I prayed a simple prayer. And they stepped back and said, what are you doing to me? What's happening to me right now? Well, it's all right. Don't be alarmed. It's just the Spirit of God. Sometimes you say, let me just ask you, is it good or bad? It's good, but something's going to never felt this before. Well, if it's good, just relax. It'll kind of go all over you. It's the anointing. And if you let it work, it'll break stuff off of you. Well, what if I pray for him and nothing happens? What are you afraid of? Nothing was happening before you prayed. <laughs> How are you ever going to get confidence? Come on, as a 17-year-old, I just heard about this. Pastor Mark Brazil is my youth pastor. He just said, you know what? These signs will follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick. The sick will recover. I went to school the day after youth group with that. Signs of them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. I'm in my, my locker before a class. Per, the girl next to me in the locker, she's like, I have a raging headache right now. I had never even tried any of this stuff before. I just heard about it the night before. I just went, hey, if you let me pray for you, your headache will go away. She said, what? I said, this is me. And so I, I just said, what I knew, I said, God, I believe in you. You said if I lay hands on the sick, the sick would recover. Thank you for her headache going in Jesus' name. Stuck my head back in my locker, and in about two minutes, she said, wait a minute. My headache's gone. I was like, Wow. This stuff works. <laughs> I just heard about it. I said, well, that sounds good to me. 
while we are in our locker. I thought, it just came up in me. Well, you just heard this last night. Pray for her. Man. But he said, anybody who believes. Does it happen every time? Well, not every time. But we just have to reach out and lay hands on the sick. Because he's prepared us for this very thing. So there's a measure of grace. There's a measure of grace in every single one of us. Grace, that favor of God, that ability of God, that influence of the Holy Spirit that empowers you to go beyond your own ability. There's something of the grace of God that gets you on outside of yourself, outside of your human talent. Thank God for human talent, but there's something that goes beyond that. Thank God for a great singer that can hit a high note and give you the shivers. But that high note that gives you the shivers that's about to break glass isn't necessarily an anointing. It's the power of music. But when David played his music, evil spirits left Saul because of the anointing. The grace that was upon his life. God wants to prepare us all with grace upon our life. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, but what does it mean that he first also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave gifts Gave some to be, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or complete or mature man, right? That can apply to you individually, but he's talking about the body of Christ, the church, the local church at Ephesus, joining together and giving the mature image of Christ where they live. Together. Together. So individually that has to take place as a member to have that. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. And it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So he said, listen, there's an equipping of the saints to operate in the grace that's upon their life that where is it first shown fruitful in growing the body? But as you're able to grow the body, that which God has given to us, God begins to give more from the growth of the body. So if we're too busy to help and take the measure of grace that's in our life and minister it, The body won't grow. So we get consumed with trying to grow our life, grow our things. But God always dealt with the people of God and said, look it, your life, your house, your stuff's growing, and my stuff is left in ruins. What's wrong with the picture? Because God knows if you take care of my house, I'll take care of yours. And when God starts taking care, wow, something happens. So you're called, you're called, and you're graced or you're gifted. So here we have four, uh, five, what we call, we call ministry gifts. 
for the equipping of the saints. But turn over to Romans chapter 12. I want to just touch on this tonight. And then one thing, because we'll, we'll dive into this a little bit more. I just want to touch on this. Because these five-fold, what we call five-fold gifts, are equipping the saints to do work. Somebody say work. work. <laughs> ministry is work. Work of ministry or work of serving. Somebody say serving. serving. <laughs> ah, we have this idea that ministry is a big deal where we don't have to serve. We get to do something else. But the word itself is serving. So because I've been here so long, and many of you stayed with us so long, you've heard this story before. But in the 80s, we were in a, a similar situation the body of Christ is in today. Hopefully, we learn something from that and we'll grow. But they, they labeled it like this, every believer a minister. That was kind of the overriding effect. I wasn't in the role of pastor yet. I knew I was called into uh, uh, a five-fold ministry office, um, but I wasn't there yet. And, uh, you know, at that point in time, uh, the acknowledgement of the five-fold ministry was high. The honor of the five-fold ministry was very high. If you were in what they call five-fold ministry, full-time ministry, you were honored very highly. And so uh, just the way my brain works, um, I was just thinking, oh, when that day comes, how awesome it will be. And I really can't remember the exact, there's something in my mind missing in this service. Some of you are in this service, but I, I was sitting over there in our old building right there next to the, the pole that held the building up. And I had been thinking about, man, I, I sense that I'm getting close to stepping into my calling, my office. I'm getting close, and this is going to be great. People are going to honor me. They're going to look at this. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to wash everybody's feet. I was like, oh my God. Again, I had only heard about it. In Bible school, one of our teachers, our, our, our teacher who taught Bud Covenant class, talked about foot washing and how Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Highest, one of the highest forms of servanthood you could do that Jesus, when he washed their feet, they said, we, you can't wash my feet. He said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. I need to serve you in that way. So I went and uh, uh, I got a bucket of water. Just We found whatever we could find. And everybody came up and he said, I want you to pray over everybody's life and wash their feet. My idea of ministry was changed forever. That we are called to serve and to wash people's feet. I was humbled in more ways than one. Thank God. Well, I shouldn't probably say this, but I will anyway. Thank God we only had about 60 people. Because by the time I was done, one, I was broken in praying for everybody. Everybody was a little uncomfortable at taking their shoes off and letting me wash their feet. But my whole legs had fallen asleep while I was washing people's feet. I could not get up from the floor. Bucky might have been one of the people that actually carried me out of the room so I could get feeling back in my legs. And I sat in the office and wept before God for my attitude about ministry for about an hour. 
It's such an honor to serve the people of God. It's been rolling over. We've been praying. It's been rolling over my heart during prayer, how Paul said, and we'll look into this a little bit later, Paul said, it is such a great ordeal that God counted me faithful, counted me trustworthy, and called me into the ministry. That God would count me trustworthy to serve his people from his grace. It's not a labor that we have to despise. It's an honor to serve God's people. Yeah, but they don't appreciate it. No, they don't. But it's an honor. God never said, I called you so you could be appreciated. He said, I called you to serve my people so we all could grow. And he said, I will appreciate it. I will appreciate it. So we're equipped to, to do work of ministry. How are we equipped? We're equipped with graces that are upon our life. So Romans chapter 12. Sorry, this is kind of a shotgun message. I have point one, two, three, and four that I'm planning on getting to. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3. We're more familiar with verses 1 and 2. But Paul said this, For through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. A measure of faith. So again, there's a number of people, you'll have different ministries coming at this. I just want you to hold this. The Bible can have, you know, it's alive. It has different meanings. But here where he's saying this, and if we go to, again, the, the, the ministry of the talent, the stewards of the talent, they each one were given a different, different measure based on where they were in their life. And the measure proved that each one of them could develop and make what they were given fruitful and multiply if they took and made the effort to do it. They had the grace there. So the measure, God's given you a measure. He's, whatever your ability is, you might say, well, I hope he doesn't give me too much. He won't give you too much. But he's given you something that he wants you to find out what it is, and he wants you to start to recognize it, nurture it, bring it before him, allow him to open it up, show you, yield yourself, to those equipping you to develop it and watch how little by little, if you don't make excuses, but you watch and you listen how it grows, it will develop and become fruitful. And God will give you more and more influence as you yield to the, the grace and the gift. So the measure of faith, verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Praise God. We're all a little bit different. He says, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. 
If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. See, sometimes people are listening to the biggest message out there that somebody's preaching, and they want to speak that message to wow people, but they have no personal faith in that message. He said, just if, if he's called you to preach to begin with, just share the simple message you have faith in. Because you want to communicate your faith. You don't want to just wow people. You want to communicate your faith. Or ministry or service, let us use it in serving. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Then he goes on to love. So right here, he just said, wow, here's a whole bunch more gifts. There's not just five apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. But now we see there's some other gifts here. Okay, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> so, he's just uh, brought all the body together. It's really our vision at New Creation Church. Every member in their place so we can see the glory of God and possess the Lamb. How does everybody get in their place? By recognizing our graces are all different. We ha have to operate in those graces, develop those graces. He said, but now you are the body of Christ, the fullness, and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, gifts of healings, helps, administrations. Wow. There's some people who are called and gifted in administration. Well, I feel like I'm called into ministry. What ministry do you think? I don't know. But I really have a knack for administration. You're covered. <laughs> and you can do that wherever you are as unto the Lord. See, Eileen is gifted in administration. She was gifted in administration. She ran a law office. And then we were so blessed that she uh, came over to help us. Uh, she just started to help me administer when I was overseeing Rhema pastors, but then she came to administrate our whole office, and she was such a great blessing to you all and the whole church for so many years because she ministered from her gift of administration. And that gift was so valid, so anointed, couldn't have done it. Without that administration. So sometimes people bail on their gift of administration because they want to prophesy. But God says, your gift of administration, God gave it. Helps. I don't know if I want to be in helps. Helps ministry is so vital. It's so important. Variety of tongues. Then he goes on to say, are all people all these things all at once? The answer is no. He said, but earnestly desire the greatest gifts or the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And again, he goes into love. 
He goes into love. We see all this. He, he says, here, there's all these gifts in the body. Man, they're all so unique. They make up the body. They, they strengthen the body. They're, they're, they need to be developed in the body. So we're all working. So we're all preparing for the raising up of the body. If we raise up the body and only one part of the body raises up, if only the speaking gifts of the body raise up, we're going to be really a noisy bunch. But not in order, not administrated, not helped, not reaching out, not have all the, the facets of the body. They're all important. And there's those who direct and those who guide and those who equip, but every single part is important. And when we get that importance to it and we see ourselves, not if everybody else says we're important. Some of the greatest offenses, I said this this morning, some of the greatest offenses in the body of Christ are people just not getting to do what they want to do. Well, I feel like that my gift is teaching. Let me teach this whole class. Well, wait a minute. You haven't developed that gift yet. Well, I'm leaving. I'm mad. Well, all that does is prove that the leader was right. You might have a gift of teaching, but if you can get that mad easily and run off and quit, you'll never be faithful to the people that God's called you to teach. And we'll show you that because one of the requirements of any servant of God is that they be found faithful and that they be tested first. That they be tested first. Why? Why would we have to be I hate tests. Why would we have to be tested? Because when revival hits and people are coming in and they might not be your fashion of person, right? We have some noisy people here anyway. And some people are annoyed by the noise. But if you came from where they came from, you'd be noisy too. (laughs) They're so noisy, I can't even think. Well, if you knew where they came from, you'd be noisier. Well, it just bothers me. Well, we need to be equipped, have a little bit tougher skin, to rejoice with them who rejoice and to weep with them who weep. Why? Because if we're going to reach a community and they're going to come in, we got to be ready with our grace to love them, to minister to them, to administrate and order all this activity that's going on, to help support what's going on, to bring the word to them, to teach and to pastor and to Equip the saints for work of ministry. And some of you right here have an office call in your life. Some of it, it's just a matter of administration. Some of it is that you will be standing in an office of ministry to others, a pulpit type of ministry teaching. But many of you don't even know that yet because we've been comfortable just listening and critiquing how we feel about a certain message or about other people or how they're responding or reacting in the foyer rather than saying, God, what are you doing in me? That I might be linked to this body and prepared for the revival that's coming. God said, and he reminded me once again, that I've called this place to the miraculous. And things that will happen. And I know that he didn't just call me to that, he called us to that. So our thinking is going to have to be outside of ourselves. It'll never be able to be, I have miracles, so look at me. It'll have to be in the humility of serving one another. In the humility of kneeling down before a little child who's saying, you know what, my family, 
my mom and dad are having big trouble. And they're yelling at each other and saying, we're going to pray for your mom and dad right now. And we're going to believe God that things will change. Having that in your heart. Praying for that mom and dad when you go away. And knowing what a privilege to have heard from that child what nobody else might know is going on. That I might hide that in my heart. And tomorrow and the next day, pray for that family. And give you invitation, God, to move and to reconcile and to change that. When the report comes that their marriage was reconciled, nobody but you and God and that little child who won't remember probably will know that God gave you access to that family because you humbled yourself to serve that child in ministry. The power of it. It's much broader, much wider than we think if we just say, here am I. God, where can I help? So that you can start to unveil what my true grace is and the measure of it. That as I begin with that measure of it, I can begin to be faithful with it. Amen. We'll just pick up from here next week. We have four points about that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you for all that you're doing. Not only in us, but for us, what you desire to do through each one of us. I thank you. It's a great day for the body of Christ as we hear your voice, as we understand the day that we live in and the, the time of the outpouring of the Spirit of God, that not only will there be an outpouring from the atmosphere among us in heaven, but there will be a bringing forth from the Spirit of God that is within us. That just in the days of Noah and the flood, not only did the rains come from heaven, but they came out of every opening in the earth. Even so, I thank you that there will be an outpouring of the Spirit of God coming from the heavens down upon us. But there will be even a greater flooding of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord in the earth through the gifts and the manifestations coming from the inside of believers that release that Spirit gift from the inside of them. So we thank you for floods, floods of the knowledge of your glory in our midst. The revelation, God, open up our eyes, the revelation of the expectation of our calling, that within our calling, there are giftings to fulfill that calling. Help us not be arrogant or think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. But to know the measure that you've given us, to recognize, even if it seems a small measure that you know, and you've given us that measure, that we might be faithful with it and develop it and increase it, that greater manifestations and influence would come to affect those around us and those that you'll bring us in contact with. So we thank you. We thank you for utterance coming forth in the days to come, that we might clearly explain and understand that which is before us, as a local church body, as the body of Christ, as the time grows short, shorter and short, shorter to your return for your church, the bride, the glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So ready us for the revival that we're stepping into that will come to a greater and greater manifestation in days to come. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand up with me? Say as we go what God did in Christ Jesus. Far exceeds any damage done to me.
by Adam's Fall. If you need prayer for anything, the altar workers will be up here. They'll be glad to join with you in prayer, minister to you, and uh, uh, get you on a path to getting that need met in Jesus' name. So you can come up here. They'll minister to you. You can be dismissed.